today on Abounding Grace. What we see today, what we are experiencing on earth, it's so hard and so difficult and so unfair. It's not going to last. God is going to do a new thing and restore and renew this earth. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 15, it says, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with the flames of fire. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Great to have you with us as we begin a new week of in-depth Bible study and welcome again to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is at the tail end of a study in 2 Peter. When we're in a trial of great difficulty, we're prone to forget certain things, like God's faithfulness. But we'll learn today it's God's promises that will keep us stable at such times. So we must not forget or lose sight of them. Here's Pastor Ed in 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last time, 2 Peter chapter 3 in a Bible study that I've entitled, God's Promises Keep Us Stable. God's Promises Keep Us Stable. We're learning from Peter here in the first century as he's warning the struggling and hurting church about mockers and scoffers in the last days. And it's not what you would expect, is it, when you're struggling and hurting to have someone show up into your life and want to make things worse for you and not better. It's counterintuitive. Well, when you're hurting, when you're struggling, you would expect someone to come into your life and help you and encourage you, especially those that come in Jesus' name or come in God's name. But here we have an example, something that we're not to be surprised by, that not everyone will come with encouragement. There'll be those that make fun of you and make fun of your faith even in your most difficult times. But here's the thing, church. Listen, jot it down, perhaps write it down, memorize it, but this is key. You need to resolve to stay focused on Jesus in tough times. You need to resolve to stay focused upon Jesus in tough times. Now, please don't hear that statement as a harsh statement or a harsh command, and it's all your fault you're struggling but rather receive it as an encouragement, more on the softer side, to use what little strength you have to abide and rest in Jesus, no matter what's happening surrounding your life. Because Jesus is your strength and your hope and your rest. And you can, you can receive and respond to the invitation of Jesus any time and every time you're struggling. You remember that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And I love this. He says, my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. Notice with me in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which now exist are kept in store by the same word, reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. We pick up in the middle of where we left off last time when he refers to they. They are the mockers and the scoffers. Those that make fun of what you believe in. They make fun of the God that you believe in. And notice it says very carefully in verse 5, they have made a choice to willfully forget. Willfully forget. And what do they forget? They forget the very foundational truth of God's ability to judge a rebellious world. They forget the flood. They don't forget it like you and I might forget our keys. They willfully forget, which also could be translated, they willfully deny this truth. And it has consequences. When you know the truth and you willfully deny it, and you willfully forget it, and you willfully avoid it, and you willfully ignore it, those decisions come with consequences. There will be pain that comes to your life and mine when we don't, when we don't receive the truth and act upon it. And this helps to explain the accountability that every person will have before the Lord at the great white throne judgment. There's an accountability for what you know, and for those who might be listening in right now, what you willfully forget. Or it's described a couple of different ways. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it's described this way. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, listen, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And I would encourage you, if you haven't lately, read Romans chapter 1, and then email me and tell me if it doesn't sound like the days in which we live today. This is the natural outcome, the natural outcome when you willfully forget or when you suppress the truth, when you press the truth down. How? Well, he describes it here in unrighteousness. Because of the lifestyle and decisions you want to make, they have the natural consequence of pushing the truth away. Or how about this one in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10? It says, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, listen, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So you have willfully forget, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, and did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now let's bring this home. Let's turn a corner and bring it home for you and me. Those of us that are born again. Those of us that have a true, real, what we pray for, a love relationship with God. We love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and, and spirit, all of our mind and everything, our strength. And we love our neighbors, ourselves. For as Christians, we, we, we can't pick and choose what to believe and what not to believe. You can't just kind of go through the Bible and say, I like that, I like that, but no, I don't like that. Now, of course, there are parts of the Bible you may not like. I don't mean it that way. 
I mean, you can't go to the scriptures and say, well, you know, when God's speaking about love and happiness, I really receive those scriptures. When he talks about judgment, I don't like that. Or accountability, I don't like that. Or let's make it even simpler. I, I love when the Bible talks about heaven, but I don't believe in hell. Listen, friend, if you believe heaven is real, you must believe that hell is real. The same Savior, Jesus Christ, taught both equally. You can't just go around, well, you know, I believe in the flood, but I could never believe what happened to that guy, Jonah, and that big fish. You know, I've already gone to Snopes and already seen, oh, that couldn't happen. Because, you know, if it's on the internet, it must be true. You know, I, I can't, I, I can, I, I really like the story about Joseph, but I don't really like the Red Sea. I don't believe God could do that miraculously. We can't cut up and cut out from the Bible. Let me quote. In the 18th century, the U.S. Congress once issued a special edition they called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. It was a simple copy of the King James Bible with all the references to the supernatural eliminated. Jefferson, in selecting them, had confined themselves slowly, solely to the moral teachings of Jesus. The closing words of the Bible are this. There they laid, there laid they Jesus and rolled a great stone at the mouth of the sepulcher and departed. That was the end of the Thomas Jefferson Bible. Thank God our Bible ended with the news that he is risen. You got to take the whole Bible and it's hard, I know. And it's challenging. It's going to cut to the quick in your life and mine. It's going to reveal. It's going to correct and instruct and you know as well as I do, sometimes it's going to rebuke. You're going to read it and you go, oh no, that's me. God is speaking to me. But I'll tell you, in some of these supernatural things, it's not so much a battle with the Bible as it is a battle with Jesus Christ. And a lot of debate and argumentation is spent around the events of the Bible. But you don't really need to argue about the events of the Bible because Jesus Christ affirms almost everything that people are arguing about today. I'll give you a few examples if you want to take some notes. So you're talking to someone at work, you're ministering to someone in your family, oh, I don't believe in Adam and Eve. Well, Jesus did. He taught us such in Matthew chapter 19. Oh, you know, I don't believe in a worldwide flood. Jesus did. He taught such in Luke chapter 17. Well, I don't believe that God would judge Sodom and Gomorrah partly because of the sin of homosexuality that was rampant in that city. Well, Jesus did, and he taught such in Luke chapter 17. Oh, I don't believe Jonah could have ever been swallowed and survived in a large fish. Jesus did in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus believed in the historical accuracy of the scriptures, Matthew chapter 12. Jesus believed and taught in the spiritual clarity of the Bible, Luke chapter 24. Jesus believed and taught in the final authority of the Bible, Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus even himself claimed to be the very central focus of the entirety of the scriptures himself in Luke chapter 24. So Peter says, back here, that they willfully forget the truth that God judged. So which it makes sense now, doesn't it? It makes sense that this would be a place that mockers come and make fun of you. 
And at the wrong moment, you know, it could really hit. You know, it could really cut to the heart at the wrong moment. Because your faith is so strong. And, and maybe you just read about Jonah. And you were encouraged by Jonah in the sense like, you know what? I'm not going to run away like him. I'm going to press into what God called me. I'm going I'm gra- to change my hard heart for a people group. And I'm going to take God's soft heart for that people group. And I'm not going to run the opposite way. And I'm going to press in. And yeah, I don't see going to the reservoir and being swallowed by some big fish in the reservoir. So you look at that and you go, no. But you can get swallowed up by a lot of things that will hold you captive. And so there you are. That was your morning devos. And wouldn't you know it, there's some Yahoo at work. The first thing out of his mouth is, you don't believe in that Jonah, do you? And man, the wrong moment, the wrong motion, the wrong situation would spark a little doubt in your mind. And you wonder, God just, boom, one after another, gave you strength, gave you strength, gave you strength, gave you strength. And it only took one mocker to wipe it all out. Now, Peter says the reason they're mocking is they willfully forget. If you come back to verse 5 here, they willfully forget that it was by the word of God that the heavens of old were created and the earth there was standing out of water and in water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. Of course, today, secular humanism and secular philosophies have displaced the truth of creation and a creator God and and even the worldwide flood. But you do so at your own risk. You willfully forget perhaps what you were taught in Sunday school as a kiddo. You willfully forget what maybe somebody handed you as a track about, hey, be careful because God, God is real and he'll, he judged the world and he's going to judge again. And we take our own lives at great risk when we willfully forget the truths that God wants us to receive, especially when it comes to judgment and especially when it comes to judgment with a flood. He saved only eight people in Noah's family. And and by the way, when it comes to the flood, did you know, those that study these things, they say that over around 270 cultures throughout the years have a recorded version of the flood. Some recorded version of a worldwide flood. Aztecs, Native Americans, Native American cultures, Mayans, Chinese dynasties, even the Epic of Gilgamesh has within it, from Mesopotamia, has within it a version of the flood. Now, of course, the scriptures have the only accurate version of the true story of the flood, but cultures throughout the world have come to terms in one way or another of a worldwide judgment. However, these willingly choose not to believe God, that he intervened in times past in the history of man. And even continues to intervene today. In Psalm 33 verse 6 it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Notice again in verse 7 it says, But the heavens and the earth which now exist are kept in store by the same word. The the heavens and earth you and I live right now. We are living by the preserving stability of the promise of God. Everything is held together by the Lord himself. 
It is kept in store by the same word. The same power who created and destroyed is now keeping the world until the culmination of world history so that our lives are dependent upon the faithfulness of God. Your life and mine is dependent upon the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. The, the faithfulness of God. This is one of the verses I think was put in the Bible. I want you to see it in yours. Would you turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2? I believe, and perhaps it was put in for you as well, but it definitely was put in the Bible for me. I was encouraged to memorize it for me. But perhaps you need to. Because as much as I would want to live this dramatic, glorious, faith-filled life, so much of my life is filled with faithlessness. Moment by moment, you think, well, what kind of pastor are you? Probably a normal one, but on the lower side of faith, perhaps. It's just the way God has made me. I mean, I was thinking as I was praying through the, the request and we we're praying for neighbors and just loving God, I kind of, I, I was stuck on that prayer point of loving God and thinking, you know, I was just grateful for God intervening in my life. It was, over, it was an overwhelming sense of how God intervened in my life and rescued me and saved me, saved my life, saved my spiritual life, my physical life, my marriage, my family. I mean, on and on I could go. Why? Because of the faithfulness of God. Not because somehow God looked down and go, look at him. He is just so ready to be saved. Look at him. He's got his whole life together. Look at him. He, he's the guy that I want to use in great ways. Now, perhaps God had that in his mind of knowing ahead of time. Of course, in his foreknowledge, he knew what he was going to do with my life. But I didn't know. I didn't know what God wanted to do in my life. I was barely hanging on. If that. My life was an absolute mess. I was in places I didn't belong. Doing things I didn't belong. Ingesting substances I didn't belong. It was all a mess. It was an absolute waste. And that's where God met me. He literally allowed circumstances in my life to draw my attention above my circumstances for a short amount of time. And it was in that short amount of time where God really brought, and let's face it, he brought a conviction of sin in my life. He didn't say, oh, poor Ed, you're going in the wrong direction. Come and join me and go in the right direction. He really laid before me in a stern but gentle way Ed, the life you're living is a sin against me. And you're hurting me, you're hurting her. And I could go, you could point in any direction, I was hurting somebody. People staying up late, waiting if I'd ever come home or not. Waiting for a midnight phone call if I'm in jail again. That, that's the man that God loved. That even when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, God loved me and intervened in my life. And I look at my life today and I wish I was more faithful. And I think I'm growing, but I, I want more faith. I want to grow in this. But this is my life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. Maybe you need to memorize this. I want to encourage you, memorize the Bible. Both here at Calvary, but you guys that are connected with us. Distance, man. On the radio, memorize the Bible. Because this is what it says. 2 Timothy 2, 13. If we are faithless, what does your Bible say? He, say it out loud, he remains faithful. If we are faithless, anybody ever been faithless? Say amen. Okay, it's not, not just me. We're all in the faithless row here. I mean, it could be a moment. 
It could be a situation. It could be things that just drag on. You're just like, oh man, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. That is the sum and substance of your life. So you see what happens when you begin to willfully forget, when you begin to press down, when you begin to suppress in unrighteousness the truths of God's faithfulness, we're going to pay a price. It'll be painful. But I'm so grateful that God will not stop pursuing us. Why? Because of his great love for us. That you're not beyond the love of God right now. That you haven't gone too far. That, that you are not, you, listen, you personally, you are not beyond the love of God. That if today you will repent of your sin, you will acknowledge to God, I've been forgetting on purpose, God, I'm sorry. You'll let him touch the most inner parts, the most deepest parts of your heart that have hardened toward God. You'll experience immediately the great love and mercy and grace. And you know what else you'll be able to tap into again? You've already have it. As a believer, of course, you already have it. But you know what you'll tap into again? The faithfulness of God. You get to enjoy it. Not just hear about it. Not just think about it. But you get to enjoy it again. We're going to learn when we get to Jude, that admonition to keep yourselves in the love of God. Why? Because that's the place where you get to enjoy it. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Because when you're outside of the love of God, when you're outside, well, we'll get to that when we get to Jude. You hang on, okay? And so back to 2 Peter, although God promised not to destroy the earth again by a flood, the earth as we know it will not last into eternity. We'll see that in the coming verses. What we see today, what we are experiencing on earth, it's so hard and so difficult and so unfair. It's not going to last. God is going to do a new thing and restore and renew this earth. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 15, it says, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with the flames of fire. So notice now, verse 8, he says, But beloved, this is back 2 Peter 3, verse 8, But beloved, do not forget this one thing. Okay, Peter, what do you want us not to forget? That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Well, what else do you want us not to forget? Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but notice that all should come to repentance. A thousand years, a lot of debate, a lot of scholars like to argue about this. But let's look first at, beloved, don't you forget. Tie that together. you got a group that's willfully forgetting, and then he says, you, beloved, don't you forget. Did you know as well as I do? It bears repeating. Trials and difficulties make us forget the faithfulness of God. Bad decisions, difficulties make us forget the... And then, you know, once you forget, and then you just stay in that, that perpetual place of forgetfulness. So you've got a group of people, mockers, scoffers, undermining the scriptures, not allowing it to guide, not building their life upon the rock. They got that group, but then he turns back and he says, but you guys, don't you forget this one thing. Don't forget this. 
Today on Abounding Grace, we've been in 2 Peter, as Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through this marvelous book. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through the app and podcast. It's free. Just search for Ed Taylor. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, we'll send you a copy of Ebenezer Stones by Catherine McDougall. Are you discouraged or filled with anxiety today? It's often due to getting our focus off of God and onto our problems and difficulties. Well, this book will help you get your focus back where it should be, onto our faithful God. Catherine shows how an ordinary stone can be a powerful reminder of God's faithfulness. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE. And don't forget to request Ebenezer Stones when you give $25 or more. That's 877-30-GRACE or online at calvaryco.store. Be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 2 Peter. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.